0: This is a British Ecological Society podcast. This podcast was recorded at the BES Annual Meeting 2019.
1: First of all, thank you for coming for the Associate Editor Training Workshop. We've got a great panel here. We've got uh, Romina Rader from University of New England and Senior Editor on Journal of Applied Ecology. Andrew Beckerman, University of Sheffield and Executive Editor-in-Chief on Ecology and Evolution. Sarah Cousins. University of Stockholm and editor-in-chief on Nordic Journal of Botany and Aaron Ellison oh from Harvard Christ. Forest That's and why. senior editor on methods in ecology and evolution.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Romina. Um, I'm a senior lecturer at the University of New England in Armadale in Australia. I started at the Journal of Applied Ecology um, as one of the mentees and then I became an associate editor after that and then in the last month um, I moved up to the senior editor's position which is very really exciting. My talk today will be about um, how to confidently handle manuscripts. So we've got four components. So mine is about how to assess a manuscript on submission. My first point is to read the manuscript, which sounds obvious, but um, some people scan the abstract and then stop there. And we really need to understand more about um, reading the paper in more detail if we're going to determine whether it's suitable or not. The The first thing amongst those list of things to do is to determine if there's a conflict of interest, and there's policies on the um, BES Journal website about that, which um, if you're unsure, we could be also making in more detail about what constitutes a conflict of interest, but I think that's an important thing to consider early on if you've worked with any of the authors or co-authors. The next thing at this stage is to look at the scope. So in terms of um, Journal of Applied Ecology, the scope means that it needs to be about management um, in natural and modified systems. Um, It needs to be um, a novel paper that has not been addressed in other um, manuscripts, and then we need to see Um, its suitability based on those things. This is really important at the first stage. You don't want to put off this decision and then your associate editor comments after the reviewers have commented on it and then you comment on it and then it's rejected because of these scope or novelty, I think is really disappointing to an author. So we need to be able to determine that before it goes out to review. The next thing is to go through and determine the pros and cons in regard to um, the manuscripts topic area, the quality of the methodology, um, how do the results support the conclusions drawn and I think my thoughts with this are that we need a template and I'd like to develop this further with the Journal of Ecology. I think this is really important for evidence-based decision making, um, and could improve objectivity when it goes back to authors as to why their manuscript was rejected. And I'd really like your input upon this. Um, these are some of the things that I've thought about. Um, we can have like a checkbox, and I'd, like I said, like some input rather than just saying a couple of lines, if we could be saying why it's not suitable. So one example is the level of replication um, for a field study. Um, Is it suitable for the type of article it is? Are the context and scale, do we have the replication relevant for that? Are the methods appropriate for the questions asked? Are the statistical analyses appropriate? Um, And are the management outcomes clear? inclusion supported by results. So I envisage this as whether it's a checklist or some kind of system, um, that's what I'd really like to do and like to hear your factors about that. And after that, basically, I think we have to list the factors for and against and whether or not we are going to assign reviewers or reject before review. And for me, the reject before review is really important to give a proper, um, I guess, evidence-based judgment, which is why I'd like to pursue the template. What do people think of a template? Do you think it would be useful?
1: How many yes. <laughs> yeah, there is not, not How many. How of you think you already have that in your head? Sort of, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Have you ever written it down? No. It's, it's instructive to do as a, mm. a young associate editor to kind of write down what you feel like your criteria are and start using them. And again, talk to the editors-in-chiefs so or the senior editors or your fellow AEs, people who've been on the board for a long time, or people in your department. It's a very good conversation to have, and it is the way you learn about how to do this effectively. Well, the one comment I would have know, is that usually yeah,
3: the, yeah, do you, do you the paper that has shown up, the manuscript that's stuff? shown up on your desk yeah, to look at has already been looked at by a senior editor or, or an editor-in-chief who is also going through these same things reading the paper, assessing scope, all of that. And probably half or more of the manuscripts that come in don't even make it out-of-air office to associate editors. And so I'm, for at least from my experience with both with Methods and with other journals, if it actually gets off of my desk and onto AE's desk, it's a little further along the process. Like the presumption might be yes, this is at least within scope of the journal, that, that it has crossed sort of the, the basic bars, that, that it's something we would consider.
1: Um, I think I'd emphasize two, two things. Um, one is be careful with the word novelty. It's a word to use with your editor-in-chief or the senior editor, not always with the author. Nobody wants to hear that their paper's not novel. Nobody writes a paper and submits it to a journal with the idea that it's not novel, most of the time, yeah? So just be careful with that word. It's very good to use with your editors-in-chief if it's part of the journal agenda. It's not always great to use it with the author. And the second thing, Yeah, just re-emphasize reading the paper because you're all encouraged to make a decision on whether to send things out for review. You can't do that without having read the paper yourself. And it's a huge responsibility because essentially it's your decision. And don't be afraid to talk to your editor-in-chief about that decision if you're not comfortable with it or if it's somewhere on the line. They have more experience in judging that and doing that. That's why they're in that position with the journal that you're working for. So take that opportunity, most of them will talk to you, and the best bit about that it extends your deadline.
2: <laughs> I was just going to say I think it's it's fine for it to be context dependent and that's what you need to write down um, when you report your um, recommend is it recommendation Yes
1: Whatever
2: to the senior editor to say you don't even have to use the word novelty, but you could say i this study um, although it's about X, which whatever has been published before, they've made new insights by these findings or because of these additional reasons, and that's exactly what you should be doing.
1: I'll just add novelty is inherently multivariate. Yes, right. Absolutely. The, absolutely. The, the, o- the other thing to realize is on the flip side, journals in general are using novelty as a tool to increase impact. And one of the other truisms alongside the fact that it's multivariate is that we are absolutely terrible at identifying what's novel. Right? That's why I think we're all you're hearing it from all of us is don't focus on that word. Mm-hmm. Right? Back away from it, even though it's used in the journal context, it's used in the publishing context. Look for good science. And even if it is a little bit out of your subject area. You're all trained, we're all trained in this room as scientists. We know what makes good science. We wouldn't be here if, if it wasn't that case. So have some fun. One of the greatest opportunities of being in AE is not only reading the papers that come across your desk, but that challenging moment when, when you don't know exactly what's going on. If you've got the wherewithal to go and look for the, the reviewers who are experts, you've got the wherewithal to read a little bit as well and say, you know, you know what, this is really seems to be pushing that boundary. Right. But then you've made that decision as an AE that you want to, I want to get this reviewed. I want to see this and I want to make a judgment on it. Right. That's great. So we've just talked about assessing the manuscript as it comes in. And I think it's, Aaron pointed out, it's already probably gone through a a level of filtering from the editors and chiefs and the executive editors down to you. You've made this decision and it's been sent out. and Now you've got comments that have come back in. What are you going to do when you assess those reviewers' comments? I think I want to give you the, the rule of thumb for being an editor in general. Don't be mean. You will find, as you become a more seasoned editor, that there are a lot of people being mean. Sometimes it's deliberate, and sometimes it's just the way they talk. <laughs> I've gotten that. I'm like, I'm really sorry. This is just the way I write. Okay. As, an, as an associate editor, you're in a really wonderful role to be an editor, to mediate the interaction between the author and the journal and the reviewers. And my recommendation, the first thing, is make sure you've read the manuscript possibly again at this point, because it sometimes takes two months to have everything come back. Um, One of the first things I do is to try to identify inappropriate comments in the reviews. Okay, Before I even go to the process of synthesizing the important stuff around the science, have reviewers made inappropriate comments? Have they used inappropriate language? Have they said things in a really mean way? None of us are trying to write papers that are bad, right? Has anyone tried to do that? It's hard to try to write a bad paper. We're not trying. So one of the greatest roles for an AE is to step back and not let authors see the comments that are going to really upset them and that are inappropriate. And it's in your remit to either rescind the review and get those things taken out, or more easily, just tell the authors what to ignore. It doesn't happen frequently enough, but it is in your remit to do that. Reviewer one said this, ignore it. I don't want you to respond to this. It's not important to the process that we're going through. Having done that, carefully evaluate the content of the review and do that against the recommendations that have been made by the reviewer as well. There's a, a very strong negative correlation between sometimes the review recommendation and the content of the review. Many of you have all seen, definitely publish this, and then there's 18 pages of comments. And then there's the two pages of comments, and this has to be, right? Just go through that balance across the referees that you've had return reviews. I think the most important thing in the end of this process when you're synthesizing stuff is take the time to synthesize the reviews. Look across the referee comments to see if you can find common themes and help the author focus on those common themes and give them a roadmap and instructions for how to handle the things that the reviewers have said. Be that interface for them between the referees and the journal. One of the things that emerges from that is that they're gonna respond to you the way you want them to respond. You're gonna see comments back when they make the revisions that are in line with the way you were thinking about how to handle the referee comments. Write the recommendation in a way that you would
3: like to see a recommendation, right? So we all write papers. We know what kinds of decision letters work well when we get them and what kinds of decision letters don't work well. Don't write decision letters that don't work well. Right, It's it, that's, think about what you'd like to get for this paper and write
2: that. I think this specifying why is really, really important for an author, especially if it's going to be rejected.
0: Yeah. And make a decision, it's, it's nothing worse to have any kind of ambiguity, either as an author or as an editor, because you're not really sure what do you actually want. Make that decision. It might be the wrong one, but it's not the end of the world. When you write a recommendation, you need to think about the reviewer's comments, how how they speak, or not speak, but how they're right in that culture. Uh, And don't you need to be clear, don't be too polite because it can also make confusing comments and avoid any kind of uh, ambiguity in your language when you write it. I think that's really really important. Be aware of this also that when you write the recommendation uh, I found that, particularly British people, you're so polite uh, so you're so polite, so the authors don't understand why they've been rejected, um, or the editor doesn't understand why. Why, why do you reject us? It looks that, like it's really nice because it's that, but this is a really nice, maybe not novel uh, paper. But uh, so I have to explain to both authors and my students and also editors that. This was actually quite a harsh rejection. So think, <laughs> think about this. Um, it's, it's really funny. when, And also the other way around that some, from some countries, people write pretty clear and direct. And uh, as a Brit, you get, a bit, ooh, but it's not that bad, is it? And also, I would say that remind the editor of your expertise. Uh, I do that as a reviewer i can get really really complicated statistical stuff i might be it might be within my expertise as a landscape ecologist but i'm not a statistician and i write that i say that this is really interesting it's good it's a good design whatever but i'm not a statistician so i hope you send it out to another reviewer with that knowledge also as an editor uh, we, we, we know our fields, we can't know everything. So I think that's
1: important. All journals have a, either an explicit or implicit philosophy about how many papers A.E. should be handling per year. Um, if you feel like you're being overburdened, Fight back. Tell us. Right. There's nothing nothing wrong with saying, stop sending me papers, especially these kind of papers. And it's not a fight. Just tell us and we'll do it. So one one of the things that happens when you start hearing that back is a decision at the strategic level for the journal to expand the editorial board. And what we end up doing is coming back to you, who has been overburdened, saying, "Can you recommend a few of your friends or enemies um, to to join the editorial board?" And we'll put that in place to move forward. And it is that that machine does work. So
3: this is like the end
1: process when you get the
3: revisions. So um, as background, so I was in AE for American Journal of Botany, Peer J, and Ecology Letters. I was in AE with Ecology and then Associate Editor-in-Chief of Ecology, Editor-in-Chief of Ecological Monographs, and now Senior Editor with Methods. I feel like you've been doing this forever. Um, So I was tasked with handling revisions, and I have, I guess three points that I want to make. So the question that come really comes up to me is, when should you send that revision back out for review? And my response as a senior editor or an editor in chief is, never. right? That you get that. you you made the decision. You asked for revision you weighed the reviews, you made a decision, you summarized it with what you expect for the revision, you get the revision in, and you say, did they do it? And if the answer is yes, you press the accept button. If the answer is, well, it needs a couple more things, you press the minor revision button. If it's going to be another major revision, that paper shouldn't have come back in the first place. Or they didn't do enough work, in which case you just reject it at that point. The distinction is if you actually thought that whatever comes back is going to need more review then the decision from my perspective should be reject with resubmission invited that to me would be a signal to the editor and to the author that this really needs complete rework and it's going to have to be re-reviewed but if you didn't hit that button don't send it my feeling is don't send it back out for review. Don't waste the author's time. Don't waste your reviewer's time. You guys, you men and women and non-binaries, you know the field, right? You, you know the field. You're the experts. We trust you. Make the decision. So when should a revision be sent out? It should be. Um How many rounds of revision are really necessary? One, right? It follows from that. Unless there were some small things that needed to be done, in which case you can ask for small points. If they can really be dealt with in copy edit, accept the manuscript. That's why we pay copy editors, right? If it really was going to need another round of review, reject it and ask for resubmission. So then you do this one more step. And then the last comment is, leave the copy editing to professionals. We are not paying you. So we are not paying you to copy edit a manuscript. Don't, right? Don't, it's not your responsibility to be dealing with language um, failings in whatever the native language of the journal is, whether it's French or English or German leave that to the copy editors. If it's a small point like, uh, oh, they forgot a parentheses here on our library, that's not a minor revision, that's fix that in gallery sort of thing. So I'm really in favor of streamlining that process. Um, No paper is ever going to be perfect, right? It's not perfect for the author, it's not perfect for the journal, it's never the complete story. Don't ask the authors to write the paper that you wish they had written, right? Then it would be your work.
1: I I think the process of trying to tell the authors what they need to do against the referee comments, it it almost gives you a second checklist, right? You go back to what you recommended they do, have they done it all? And then it becomes very easy to just continue that conversation. I don't think you've been able to do this um, or you didn't do it. And then it's quite straightforward because you've set that up in the first place.
2: Um, I just have another comment on the reject with resubmission. I think um, another comment is, is it fixable, is a really easy question to ask yourself. If the reviewers have asked for um, or one of their reasons is insufficient replication and it's a field study and it was done two years ago, that's. Probably not something that they're going to be able to fix um, in another round of revisions. So this might be where we have circumstances listed that might help make that decision. Um, but yeah, that's one comment
1: that I'd like to and one, one more opportunity to use reject and resubmit. Um, it probably won't be very common at the AE stage, but there is always the possibility that the papers come to you and the senior editors only read the abstract. And the abstract is written really clearly, but the rest of the paper is impenetrable. And The definition of impenetrable comes in many forms. Sometimes it's language, sometimes it's just impenetrable. It's very easy to use that reject and resubmit at that stage before you send it out. Don't waste reviewers' time. Don't send it out, but you can see that the volume of data, the story, potential, it's all there but it it will not be judged by the average referee based on the science. Send it back for resubmission with that agenda and get get your paragraph written right that you're gonna use so you don't irritate people. We want your paper to be judged on its science, not on the writing style. Please fix this and get this in order. I think the amount of data and the story you got here is fantastic. Send it back to us when you've done that. I think what you're hearing from all of us is that we really want to trust you as experienced scientists to help in this process of making decisions about publishing really cool science in the journals that you're working for. Um, Have confidence in yourselves, yeah? It's a wonderful and scary position to be in at the same time. It's full of um, imposter syndrome things, and it doesn't stop when you get to different spots in the journal either, right? Who decided that I was yeah, relevant for you know this? Yeah. Thank you
3: okay. all for your great work as AE's. We couldn't do our job without you.
2: Okay. Yeah.